Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 44. Inching our way closer to 50. Getting there. I mean, what's our plan for 50? Do we have like a big celebration? I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast. Have you? Because yeah. I know I know we're watching something different. I just don't remember what it was. Yes, it is WCW we'll be watching. Okay. If, if you want to go find out what it is, you can listen back to old episodes. Eh, I'll get there in six episodes. Yeah, we're, we're close enough. You can wait it out. I'm just going to apologize off the top of the, the show. I am battling a sickness. I am drinking tea. Hopefully my voice stays intact, but it hasn't been doing great all day. Yeah, both of so. us have uh, been fighting a little bit of a sickness the last like week or two. Not which, the sickness. We've tested negative. Oh, sorry. But. <laughs> I, I thought you were making a down with the sickness joke there for We minute. were down with the sickness. I, I was down and out with the sickness. So was I. <laughs> I slept from 3 p.m. to 8 a.m. By the way, that is why the episode was a little, what, you know... Delayed in releasing. I would say quote-unquote late, but we don't really have a full schedule. I meant to edit it, and I got back, and I went, I'm dying. Yeah, we both, we both came down with some virus, and I'm still kind of, like, fighting it off. We decided to wait until this one to have a full chat about it. I added the little note in the edit, but... Uh, in between the last recording and this one, uh, Scott Hall passed away. This is the first real-time wrestling death that has, like, sincerely affected me. As much crap as I give Scott Hall on this podcast, like, yeah, I didn't, I don't like his character in WCW. He fi- I find him very annoying, but this is the first time that somebody that I have put in, like, I've invested time in in this space has passed, and it's, it's hard. It's It sucks. It was a really rough day. I mean... Yeah, we've been fortunate... And yeah, I guess the rest of the world is fortunate that no one else really recently. I mean, I think Judy Bagwell is the closest we've gotten to kind of our pod in our, in our podcast of people yeah. passing away. And even then, I think she was substantially she older. She was elderly. So. Yeah, it was just it was hard. And there was a point during the day where there was a chance he was going to pull through, and like wrestling Twitter kind of like ra- rallied behind him. And it was it was a hard day. Here yeah. we are. And so we tried to. Uh, Watch a little good Scott Hall stuff, just similar to kind of what we did with uh, Owen when we got to his episode. Yeah. Something that I noticed with um, his passing, I think I understand why I hate him in wrestling, his character in wrestling. I think I understand why I hate him. Are you getting worked? Is that it? I'm getting worked. Everybody on Twitter was saying like, yeah, he was the bad guy. That was Razor Ramon's thing, the bad guy. He was a heel. He was supposed to be this, like, cocky guy. And I hated him for being so cocky and gross. And I'm like, fuck, that was his character. That was the point. He was just really good at his job. To give you a little bit of credit, there is a very large difference between Scott Hall and Razor Ramon. And ironically, he got sued early on for there not being enough of a difference. (laughs) But... I think everyone agrees we love Razor Ramon. I think once we get to WCW Scott Hall, outside of him debuting, the uh, you know top ten Scott Hall moments they kind of dwindle from there. Yeah, which is a little unfortunate. And we were talking about this while watching our little match. We wanted to watch and I guess discuss a little bit. It's gonna be less than the uh, Owen match, but we watched him and Shawn Michaels' ladder match. Not the WrestleMania 10 one, the SummerSlam 95 one, because I don't know if I've ever seen that match, so I wanted it to be something a little different. I know everyone 
right now is basically talking about the Sean Ladder match and then the one, two, three kid match. Yeah, there's a whole section on Peacock right now that's remembering Scott Hall. He had a fantastic career that I think he was the victim of being placed next to people at the top of the industry. Yeah, which is interesting. It's kind of complicated because we were we were discussing this earlier as we were watching the match too. He was placed amongst massive stars like um, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash even. And then he was kind of the fourth guy, which kind of diminished his light a little, I guess. he. I mean, fourth guy is relative to this. It's a matter of he was portrayed as on the same level as the main event guys without ever really being given the push of those guys as compared to an X-Pac where it's like, Okay, we're going to associate you with these guys, but you're clearly a tier below. Like, when you look at the NWO being Hogan, Hall, Nash, and, and I guess six is what he's called there. Yeah. It's like, one of these things is not like the other. Right. But you can throw Razor or Scott Hall into a main event feud and no one's going to blink twice. I mean, he literally wrestled for the WWF title once against Bret Hart, and that mm-hmm. was it. Like, we know that certain guys are not as good as these giant names. But when you see Scott Hall as Razor Ramon, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a main event guy. Of course yeah, he'd be going it, against Shawn the, Michaels. It's the fabled id factor where you look yeah. at you look at Razor Ramon and he's he's just, in his own words, he's oozing machismo. Machismo. What a word. I, we also do need to give him credit for just blatantly ripping off Scarface and and he did fully well, getting though. away with it. I'm realizing that I like in watching this that this match we watched with Shawn Michaels. I like Razor Ramon a lot. I yeah. don't like the Scott Hall character. And I, I he again little, like he cut a little promo beforehand. I forget what he <laughs> said, but it was a good promo. It was a good promo. I don't think it really mattered. Because we actually took note of a thing or two, and you know him just calling him like a boy toy, a boy toy, man. Chico. <laughs> he's just, he's got like a lot of personality as Razor Ramon that I think gets lost as WCW Scott Hall. And I'm going to call him WCW Scott Hall because just saying that he's Scott Hall, that's his name. Like, I'm sure he as a person is a great person. Yeah. The character he portrayed in WCW as Scott Hall does not have as much personality. Yeah. And we're not seeing him at this point in time in the best mental stability. And that we'll is also see something again, to say. And he still won't be there. And, yeah, and like, and I think we would be remiss to mention like, Scott Hall had a lot of personal demons, which is a phrase that WWE loves to use, and I kind of find it cheesy, but he does. Like, yeah. he has a lot going on behind the scenes, and the fact that he kind of got out of it, he made it out, he made it out of the dark and lived as long as he did, happily surrounded by people that loved him. He didn't get completely destroyed by his addictions. Yeah. I think that's something to applaud more than. It's proof that it, it can happen. Yeah. Because we see so many wrestlers that just succumb to their addictions and just, we, they, they don't get to see the other side. Scott Hall saw the other side. Yeah. And as we're coming out of it, it is a reminder to check on some of your friends that are a little more vulnerable to any sort of thing regarding the pandemic. Because yeah. apparently that was a big kind of trigger for Scott was just... I'm not surprised. Being yeah. alone, being home alone, having nothing to do. I mean, I think we can all... I mean, we sympathize there. I mean, we both be lying if we said that we didn't pick up our drinking habits during the yeah. pandemic. Like, imagine if we had like 
an alcoholism addiction like that. Yeah. That would have been bad. And, oh, yeah. Hold your loved ones a little tighter. Tell people that you love them. And remember that bad times don't last, but, but bad, bad guys, guys do. do. Oh, that kept getting me. I kept seeing that on Twitter. That kept getting me. I know. Ugh. Yeah, like it, it made me it made me cry. Like I teared up a lot the day that he passed. Cause, like it was just a whole day of like, is he going to pull through? Is he going to yeah. make it? He's not going to make it. Kevin Nash posted this absolutely like oh, gut wrenching post on Instagram I, first thing in the morning. Listen, both of us don't always love the performer for Kev- of Kevin Nash, yeah. but you know, you, you don't root for that kind of pain on anybody. I will yeah. say, um, contrary to what a lot of people expect during this episode, Scott Hall will not be on this episode of Nitro. Which is which, unfortunate. Which I don't know how we would have had to have structured this, because it would have been very different should he have appeared on this yeah like, that would have been a they weird kinda, energy they do kind of set him up to appear on this so all right we'll just put a bow on this with like rest in peace scott hall yes you you are already missed somehow this feels weirder to transition into the episode than the owen episode i think we knew what to expect with that one yeah so we do have an episode of nitro to talk about as well as little as we want to <laughs> We watched this separate, and you, granted, you said this before the last three matches, but you were like, you know, this this Nitro's pretty good, and I was watching it, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I, I stand by, like, the last match sucked, spoiler, but I really didn't hate the episode. <laughs> I actually would like to take a pause and thank all of our listeners for making Bash at the Beach our most popular episode ever. Yeah, what? <laughs> I don't get it. Why are you listening to it so That much? was not that good. Don't we end that episode with going, don't listen to this one again. <laughs> Go listen to our other episodes. And you guys didn't listen to no. us. You keep listening to that one. It's more popular than Halloween Havoc. Although, granted, if you're going to listen to Halloween Havoc, listen to the abridged version. Yeah, Bash of the Beach was not good. Stop listening to that. I mean, don't stop listening to the podcast, but stop listening to that episode. There's all, There's got to be other good ones. Maybe people just like us in pain. Maybe. Or like us, they keep clicking on it going, ah, something's going to happen. <laughs> Nothing happens. Ah, but if I listen to it this time, something will be different. Guys, the one you're looking for is next year. Okay, that, that's the big Vince Russo one. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, everybody's listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, this is that number came through. Nick like stopped what he was doing and called me to the office and was like, "Do you see this?" This episode of Nitro starts with a recap of last week's Nitro, largely Sting winning control of WCW, and then Arliss and Dennis Rodman. That's the big two focus yeah. points from this. Why are we focusing on Arliss so much? I don't know. We did kind of gloss over the fact. That it is a fictional character showing up in WCW. In a non-fiction world. I mean, I feel like it's definitely happened before. But it just feels weird that it's somebody playing a regular person. Listen, as silly as it is, when it's RoboCop and he comes out in the costume, it's like, okay, it's RoboCop. It's not Robert Wool in dark sunglasses and a white suit. And it's like... Ah, it's Arliss. Yeah. You know, Arliss. 
I did. We ran out of time, but I did actually mean to try to find that episode of yeah. our list that has Nitro people on it. We want to watch that. So the check in from the arena in in Memphis, Tennessee. It's Scott Hudson again. Tony <laughs> is just still AWOL. Yeah, did you ever, like, look into where um, Tony Schwani might be? I didn't think to, because... I kind of thought to, but I didn't know if you were, like, reading Wrestling Observer or something. Yeah, I don't have anything for Tony not being here. It's, the Observer doesn't note much, so I, I'm guess It doesn't seem like anything serious where he's going to be gone for, like, ever. Okay, good, because I don't like Scott Hudson. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's fine. He's just nothing special. Which really says something. I mean, to... Tony in in ninety nine is anything special either, but I never thought that I would miss it, Tony it, Schiavone. Just the continuity feels wrong. Yeah, I kind of miss Tony and Bobby going at each other. So commentary throws to a thunder clip of Kurt Hennig challenging Goldberg to a match for this Nitro. Re- remember that because the specifics of that will be misconstrued later. We then throw to a Mean Gene interview in the ring with Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Woo. Coming out for the classic NWO theme, although it's meant to be Voodoo Child. It's definitely Voodoo Child. <laughs> they reference it later. It's still meant to be Voodoo Child. Hogan grabs the mic and mentions his Mempho Nights. I'm like, which just does not roll. I don't know why. Maybe just Mempho sounds like nym- Nympho. I think he's going for Nympho. I don't know. It just sa- it just sounded weird and off. And I'm which like, is just such an outdated term now. I'm not even. It might I'm be the- offensive. I'm not sure. No, I don't think no? it is. But it, it's the fact that. They, it didn't help that, like, oh, they greeted me at the airport. And I'm like, don't like that. It's weird. He also refers to Kevin Nash as Kevina. And I'm like, oh, got, got him. him. Fucking zinger. Also calls him Kevet. Kevet. Ooh. Get it? Because he's a woman. Hulk Hogan going with the, the naming structure that Paper Mario games did for, <laughs> for the female Goombas. Goombet. <laughs> Bombet. I swear, I don't think I don't think they went with Goombina. I think it's like Goombella in one of the. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, it's Bombette. That's what it was. Bombette, yeah. So Hogan apparently needs a partner, and he's like, "Oh, I don't have one." And I'm like, "Yeah, because no one likes you, <laughs> even in kayfabe." Already fucking hates yeah. Hulk Hogan. Wolfpack music hits, and Kevin Nash, Sid Vicious, and Rick Steiner come out. Say what you will about Kevin Nash, he does come out the second he is called out there was like very little in between time there there was no like waiting to see oh was he gonna come out if you call out kevin ash he's coming yeah and also credit to him he is a smug prick here Mm -hmm. but he's also meant to be a heel where i'm like okay at least you're like committed to it now i don't know why you weren't beforehand like with the scott hall stuff i'm trying to be very much more aware of when I'm being worked when someone's a heel and whether are they a heel or are they just an asshole there's there is also a mix of just so hard just because someone's a heel does not absolve them of being a smug prick and no but it gives them more of a reason yeah because I have been very upfront with my Kevin Nash hate in this podcast I don't care if he's a heel or a face I just don't get it I don't get it either but I also kind I respect Kevin Nash I mean it, my relationship with Kevin Nash is so difficult in real time, at least. Yes. Like because I I I, ta- I tell you that he's like oh yeah him doing a shoot interview just drunk on wine and eating chicken parm and you're like I'm I like, love God that. Damn it! I fucking love that. <laughs> I respect the man. Then he like he would he makes comments about like yeah we went to WCW because they gave us more money like and yeah we played the system because we got more money out of them like I can't say that you're wrong for that. Yeah, but he's also the king of. 
She's like, what are you doing? We already got their money. It's like, we don't have to give them that. She's like, I've tried to verbalize this before, but it's a matter of, I've never seen somebody rehab their own image and career as much as Kevin Nash has just by being likable afterwards. Yeah. I mean, frankly, apparently he's very likable backstage, but it's like, when you look at his career, it's like, yeah, he fucking beat Goldberg, didn't do shit with it. And then like, he was a booker and it, it's always a matter of it's somebody else booking. So right. it's like when it's always somebody else, you have to just give a little blame to him. And it's like, yeah, he's not good, but he's likable years later. So right. So I guess it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. Like I said, I have a complicated relationship with him. So Hogan counters Nash's attack, but the numbers game has them gain the advantage until Sting makes the save with the baseball bat and all the heels bail. <laughs> Which I'm like, we're in the same exact place as last week's uh-huh. main event. Uh-huh. Sting leaves and it's like, oh, is he going to be Hogan's partner? I don't know. It's vague. So that's our setup for the episode. And then we go from there to the Nitro opening. We get no Nitro Girl segments. I in the know. Entire Nitro Girls are nowhere to be found. Then get the opening pyro and Bobby says that Hogan's partner could be Elvis. Because they're in Memphis. Oh, I didn't put together that they were in Memphis. I thought he was just saying that just be annoying. Oh, I'm actually like, when did Elvis die? The 60s. He didn't die in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, he did. No, no. He died in 77. Oh, okay. I mean, still 22 years. With the, yeah. <laughs> but the joke of Elvis still being alive. But God, I really thought Elvis, yeah, Elvis did die. Of course not. Elvis is hanging out with Tupac. What is this, Coachella? <laughs> We then get a recap of the previous segment to Goldberg Chance. Was it just me or did they seem to be really relying on recaps? There were a lot of recaps. I didn't feel like there were a lot. However, the couple we had were very long. Okay, maybe, yeah. There's one later that is unnecessarily long. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Oh, man. I agree with you. We'll get there. We do get our first match after that, which is Juventud Guerrera and Psychosis coming out to Psychosis' theme for some reason, which Which seemed weird. Does it? It was in the. Uh, it was in the game. It was in the game, and I don't put themes that don't slap in my games. Versus the team that re- that has the ultimate theme that slaps. The ultimate banger, if you will. It is Bobby Duncan Jr. and Kendall Windham with Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham, and I'm like, oh, we're getting the lesser team. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And um, it shows at various points. It felt like a dumb matchup. Why would you do luchadors versus these guys? I didn't I didn't get that. Yeah. What was the reasoning? I, I'm guessing because at the last pay-per-view, they did Ray and Conan versus these guys. So that's kind of your answer of why luchadors. But, but Ray and Conan were with the No Limit Soldiers who were feuding with the Rappus Crafts. That made more sense. I didn't mind it. I didn't necessarily mind it. I just wanted a reasoning behind it. I mean, there's, you always want a lot more reasoning for television matches. Half yeah. the matches tonight have no reason. I, I literally. Know. I literally texted you at one point, like, why is this match happening? And then within three minutes, I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I meant to text you back and be like, there it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I didn't mind. It was just more like, one, this is actually kind of heel versus heel. Because, I guess, Hoovy has been kind of a tweener. But Psychosis has definitely been a, a relative heel. Yeah. Because, I guess, last time we saw Hoovy, he was facing Eddie Guerrero as kind of a face. But... Oh, yeah, was that the match that, like, he was facing the brick wall that was Eddie Guerrero and Eddie was like, you abandoned the LWO? Yeah. Yeah. On commentary, they note that Chris Benoit has challenged David Flair. And I'm like, ooh. 
We get a big boot to Hoovy after tagging in immediately. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's that. There's some very sloppy back and forth for a while. And mm-hmm. yeah, Bobby Duncan and Kendall Windham. Kendall Windham not... is not a good wrestler. Yeah, he's really not. He's bumpy. He's rough. He's He just seems unsure of every move he's making. He makes Bobby Duncan look crisp. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's the yeah, worst compliment I we think can give. That's what word I was thinking of. Like, he's not crisp. Yeah. Not clean. Not a very clean man. By the way, if you get that joke, tweet in. <laughs> we love that joke, but if you get that joke, tweet in. <laughs> we get a springboard missile dropkick from Hoovy that's just blatantly illegal. I was I literally asked him, like, did I miss him tagging in? And you're like, nope. nope. He did not tag in. He just did the move from the apron. A couple of quick power moves from the heels to the flippy faces. <laughs> and I literally wrote, Kendall Wyndham is not good. Ref misses the tag to Hoovy, and then the ref just watches the heels hit a double bulldog and win. And I'm like, oh, buddy. Like, y- y- you need to miss that. Yeah. I'll give you reasonings as to why I didn't hate each match as they come. So, like, this match was hard to get through. Yes, it was rough. I don't know about hard to get through. It just... Well, it, it watching the rap as craps be bad is just... Ugh. Yeah. But I like, the, I like luchador action, and I didn't hate the luchas. Yeah, I, I wrote this was nothing special. It wasn't bad. It just... Yeah. It wasn't anything special, but... Yeah, it was fine. I, I just kind of wish there was more going on there. We go from there to backstage to uh, Molly, although she will get a new name Her name's late. not Molly. <laughs> I didn't hear them say it here, so I'm going to wait. But oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it wasn't in this, this Molly, segment. Molly Holly slash Miss Madness will get a new name later in the night. <laughs> Apparently, she got fired. Yeah, I was very confused by this. She's yeah. sitting there, like, curling her hair, and she's like, I can't believe I got fired. I'm was like, she curling her hair? She... Yeah. I... she was curling her hair. Okay. Just remember sitting in, like, a blank void. And I just got so confused. So I remember her and Medusa fighting in the last match they had, like, ringside with Macho Man. Who? But do, they do got... you remember who Savage was fighting? No. Sid? Was that the Sid match? No, it was Billy Kidman. Savage did not face Sid. It was the Billy Kidman match last week. Oh, yeah, because it's on... Or it was after the match where they they just randomly came in. Because two weeks ago, they were no. brawling during the Hogan match. That's what I was talking about. But at the end of last week, I after the match, that. they just randomly they just brawled. and started fighting. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I remember during the Hogan match, they got, like, ejected from ringside or whatever because they were fighting. But, yeah, they were fighting last week, and I guess... I was thinking, like, okay, maybe when they got ejected from ringside, that was them getting fired. But I guess not. But I also get the vibe that, like, Savage fired them. Not... Yeah, they're, they're fired from Team Madness. They're not fired from WCW. Yeah. So Medusa comes in and throws something American at Molly and then is like, no, nah, we should be teaming up. I know we have a match at Road Wild, but... First time I'm hearing of it. Yeah, but, you know, George is the one who got us fired. Yeah, let's be mad at George. We don't need to be mad at, mad at Randy. Let's be mad at George. So, then Medusa says some really problematic shit. Yeah, I actually wrote this promo is too incoherent to figure out if she's victim blaming George. Medusa says something along the lines of she likes the attention. George likes the attention. She wanted to get kidnapped by Kevin Nash because she wanted him to be with her. She wanted his attention because she likes that kind of stuff. I'm like, girl, I that no. Um. She had a black eye. I don't think she likes having a black eye. No, she didn't have a black eye at all. What are you talking about, Emily? That story didn't happen. You're right. I'm so sorry. Turn it broadcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, they dropped that shit real quick. <sighs> which actually went back and looked. I think when they do the Hogan match, which I guess both of us are a little bit wrong because you were claiming the DQ thing, which wasn't there. I actually said at the end of the Bash of the Beach Made event, George still has the black eye on Nitro. I don't think she did. I think it's just bad makeup. I don't remember. But yeah, they dropped that quick and for the better. Yeah. So But yeah. Yeah, we'll get more of this story a little bit later on. But the one line that we said that Molly had, like, I can't believe I got fired, Medusa just comes into the frame and just starts talking and doesn't stop. Yeah. It was a lot. It was incoherent, you're right. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get back in on that later on, I guess. Next up is our second match tonight. It is Vampiro with the Insane Clown Posse versus Rey Mysterio. And I'm like, okay, no Conan out with Ray? Okay. Yeah, no Conan on this episode at all. It'd be, I think he has a concussion or something. He's oh. a little bit banged up. Vampiro overpowers Ray to start to some pretty good heat from the crowd. The crowd was pretty alive th- through the night. They really were, which does help the enjoyment level of the episode. Yeah. Before we go too, th- too much through this match, any kind of thoughts on Vampiro? Because... We, I remember we got him a couple months ago. I really liked him. And then he vanished until like recently where he got jobbed out to Rick Steiner. And now it looks like he's being pushed again. I don't know. He still is coming off as very generic to me. Wrestle-wise. Like style-wise. I agree in a different way than I think you mean to. He comes off very create a wrestler moveset. I, I think that's what I mean, yeah. Like, it's it's interesting moves, but I feel like it's everything you'd pick for your creative wrestler. The word I wanted to use was default, but that felt wrong, so I went with generic. Would default have been better? I don't know, because it's, it's unique to somebody trying to pick their cool moves to do. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like, you know, ooh, I'm basically using the hoovy driver, I'm hitting belly-to-belly suplexes, I'm doing yeah. top rope moves, like... I don't know that it's bad, but it just... No, and that's the thing. It's not bad. He's not a bad wrestler. He just needs to develop his own in-ring style a little better. Yeah. Ray hits a running bulldog and then a springboard dropkick and then a fake 619, which I I can't help but laugh at every time he does it. The fake dive to the outside where he just spins. and yeah. Would a fake 619 be a 508? Sure. (laughs) Not calling it that, but sure. Vampire regroups with the ICP on the outside. We get a choke bottom from Vampiro, which is the best way I can call it, which also is a Scott Hall move. Is it? <laughs> Vampiro misses a spitting heel kick, and Ray gets the advantage, including a Bronco Buster. Ray fights off the ICP, and then Vampiro hits a Hoovy Driver, which I think has a name, because they kind of seem to call it the nail in the coffin. Did they? I missed the name for it. It was a matter of they said it casually to where that might not be the name for it, but it makes sense for Vampiro. It does, yeah. Vampiro then gets caught going up top and Ray tries for a top rope Frankensteiner, but the ICP stop Vampiro from getting thrown and then he turns it into a super sit-out powerbomb. Ref is fine with this until the ICP come in and start stomping Ray. It was weird that they didn't let him try for the pin because I feel like that could have pinned Ray. You know, realistically, top rope sit-out powerbomb. It's like, yeah, that's a big-ass move. He could have won, you know, somewhat cleanish, and then, like, nah, just stomp. Yeah. But, yeah, ICP interfere. They stomp Ray until Eddie Guerrero makes the save, a.k.a. Ray's new best friend. And I'm I like, guess. I'm sorry, yeah. what? I mean, I love it. 
Then the uh, one of the insane clown posse. One of their name is Shaggy. I don't know what the other one's name is. It's like Sha- I think it's like Shaggy Two Dope or something, and like J- like J Biggs or something. Shaggy Two Dope. I loosely looked into this, but I just I don't care about them <laughs> you enough. Didn't retain to... it. Who cares? <laughs> Whoever the heavier set one of the ICP is grabs a mic to cut a promo, <laughs> and he actually isn't bad. He, no. he can he can talk. He can cut a promo. I, I locked onto one line during his promo. I didn't hear the rest of it. What was the line? You just found out what Conan found out last week. Vampiro has friends. <laughs> Maybe the real ICP was the friends exactly. we made along the way. He does say they're not here to wave their hands. They're here to kick ass. Which is a reference to their time in WWE because that was their big thing of just going like, hey, oh. Okay, so can you quickly give me the Spark Notes version of who the hell the Insane Clown Posse is? Are they a no. wrestling duo or were they musicians? From what I can tell, it's two different groups that are related. The people who do the music are not these two. But they're related. I guess they they have... <laughs> The okay to be the insane clown posse in wrestling. Okay. I looked a little bit into it and I literally, I'm just like, I, I couldn't really figure out the connection outside of they're clearly okay with them doing this. Okay. And juggalo culture is weird. I couldn't even tell you what a juggalo is. It's the ICP fans. There is an episode, actually you can't even watch it anymore. The episode of Sunny, which has the juggalos. It's the uh, it's one of the, the Lethal Weapon episodes. Oh no! It's uh, I want to say it's D Reynolds shaping America's youth. Oh no! The match itself was fine. I mean, Vampiro just keeps being involved in non finishes. I think I need to see Vampiro the same way I need to see Sid. I need to see them in a good match. Vampiro's had some good matches. Yeah, can work. I mean, I just need to see it again. He's a better worker than Sid is. I'm a better worker than Sid is. Yeah, that's probably true. They go to commercial and back from commercial. We get a very weird shot of the camera like walking through the, like one of the like s- gate sections like through yeah, the crowd. Yeah, like through the concourse kind of. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I liked it though. Did it's you? Fun and different. Because we get Vincent with Horace Hogan versus Stevie Ray. Okay, I'm going to call you out again. I'm 99% sure you said we were never going to see Vincent wrestle again. Oh, I said on pay-per-view. Are you sure? I said on pay-per-view, and I said, Vincent will never win a match on Nitro again. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Because he started, he came out to wrestle. I was like, Nick said we were done with no, him. No, he'll never be on pay-per-view, and I don't think he wins. He, he doesn't win a singles match on Nitro again. He might win a tag match, and even then, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Well, he doesn't win this match, so. No. I, I did laugh a little bit at them, like, staggering the NWO theme for when Stevie comes out, because they both have the same theme. Yeah. Like, there is a little bit of a break of just like, oh, okay, different There's guy. like a fade down, and then fade, or fade out, and then fade in. It's not even that smooth. Like, there is a, it's like, literally someone just clicks a little bit ahead in the track, because it's a hard, like, oh, jump. Oh, yeah. It's like, we are in... Vincent grabs a mic and pretty much says nothing to start this match. He attacks Stevie getting into the ring, and Scott Hudson calls it submarining. Yeah, what does that mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't get it. 
I also kind of forgot that Stevie Ray left the NWO black and white. I mean, I think because he kind of didn't. Okay. I, I was thinking I just didn't remember it. He didn't really leave the black and white. He kind of just was like, hey, Booker, what if we're a group again? Yeah, because one of the things that Vincent was saying was like, you don't decide when you're done with the NWO. The NWO decides when they're done with you. And they're like, yeah, Stevie Ray, the leader of the black and yeah. white. Yeah. No, we had that whole tournament, remember? Yeah, and Stevie Ray was Stevie the... Ray I mean, to be fair, the oh, tournament didn't remember. matter. However, Stevie Ray did win that one match that kind of decided it and then was the acting leader. Oh, okay. And it's all well, stupid. It is okay. all stupid. Okay. I, but I do feel the need to note, and I looked this up, because there's a lot of black and white drama going on here. Scott Norton's still not here. He will appear again. I was like, is he just gone? Okay. I will I will alert you when his last match happens. Okay, I probably won't remember. No, of course you fucking <laughs> won't. I couldn't even tell you what Scott Norton looks like then. <laughs> he looks like Horace Hogan, okay? They all look the same. No, they, they all, don't. They're all tall, muscular, two bald, of them are white black. men. No, two of them are black. Okay, I can I know what the black people look like, but the all the white version no, There's versions. three of them and two they of them. They all look the same. No, two of them look the same. Brian Adams looks nothing like Horace Hogan in Okay, Scott I'll give you that. But Brian Adams is also an entirely forgettable person. There's only five of them. There's a lot of characters in WCW that I got to remember. I'm not going to remember Brian fucking Adams who's doing next to nothing. We will see Brian Adams later in this match. For like a second. You're expecting me to remember him when he comes out for half a second in one episode? So Stevie Ray dominates early on. And I don't know when they said this, but they're like, oh, you heard the announcement. In two weeks, Chad Brock will be in concert. Who? I have no idea. We'll have to talk about that when we get no, to it. I don't want to. Commentary does note that, like, oh, you know, the Wolfpack breaking up. It's, you know, we've seen groups break up here, sim- you know, recently, including the Horsemen and the Wolfpack. I'm like, oh, so the Wolfpack, so the Wolfpack are Wolfpack done. broke up. Yeah. Stevie continues to work over Vincent. His commentary blames too many cooks in the kitchen is the reason for the B team breaking up. Too many cooks. So back to the action. The referee just sees Horace Hogan blatantly interfering and grabbing Stevie and then like striking him. And I'm like, DQ? Everything's fine, I guess. I'm like, no, because it leads to the one thing they didn't want to happen, which I literally was like, I absolutely is going to lead to that. Yeah. Stevie Ray ducks a Vincent clothesline who hits Horace. We then get a brogue kick from Stevie, for lack of a better term. <laughs> He then hits a slapjack shot with the referee somehow still distracted. I don't know how. Like, Horace is dead on the floor and the ref's like, hey, you're right over there. (laughs) Shake it off, bud. He then hits his pedigree slapjack finisher and Stevie wins. Although we do actually miss a little bit, like, right at the end of there. Booker T is out on the ramp holding a chair. Brian Adams comes out, sees Booker, and just goes, ah, and just goes to the back. So, okay, yeah, that was a seeing Brian Adams. So, no, I'm not going to remember him for him. This, this is like the first time we saw him in two weeks, I think. For like <laughs> half a, a second. For half a second. You I'm, should remember who he no, is. No, I refuse to store him in my brain memory. Absolutely not. I have other things to remember. Emily, he's going to be part of Chronic. He's going to be here until the end. He's part of Chronic, who has one match in WWE. But he's still going to have more in WCW. That's great. When he becomes a bigger part of WCW, I'll remember him. Right now, don't have the brain space. This match was 
fine. No, I didn't like this much. I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. It's fucking black and white. I don't... Ugh. And it's Vincent. Come on now. Remember when they were in an eight-man tag against the Rappers Craps? I fucking love that match. Oh, my God. Yeah, why was that good? I don't know. (laughs) Moving on. Backstage, we have Mean Gene sitting outside Hulk Hogan's locker room, and then Sting just walks in, and that's it. The end. (laughs) We go to commercial, come back, and Sting's music hits. I'm like, oh, okay. At this point, I was guessing that... um, because we didn't know yet. I was guessing that Goldberg was going to tag up with um, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I agree with you there. I was kind of thinking that'd like, be more interesting. Yeah, of like, okay, it's not going to be me, but I'm going to have Goldberg be your partner considering I'm the president. Which, when Sting comes out, commentary does not mention once. Oh, yeah, remember the Sting is the president of WCW. Yes, he won it from Ric Flair last week. Ric Flair, not here, apparently is in Japan. With his son doing a little junior competition. That's what I said aw at earlier. It was cute. Oh, okay. He's going to support his kid. Aw. Well, he got fired over that uh, last time. Really? Yeah, that was a big thing with him and Eric Bischoff. Rick's like, yeah, I won't be here because my kid has a, like, massive wrestling competition. And Eric Bischoff was like, oh, well, even though you told us, you know, weeks and months ago, I forgot, so you you no call no showed basically. Fuck you. Yeah. So Sting's out here. All commentary cares about is is he Hogan's partner? Sting immediately notes like, oh yeah, I'm the president. Yeah. He polls Memphis on whether they want him to be Hogan's partner, and Hogan's music hits. He comes out without the belt. He notes that he's not the same guy Sting feuded with, and notes their shaky past, and the crowd. Booze the fuck out of Hogan here. Do you know this? I didn't notice that. No. Yeah, he's like, I promise I won't stab you in the back. Boo! I'm like, oh, okay. Don't believe you, man. And the sentiment is, please let me turn face, brother. Honestly, yeah. He's just, he's so overwhelmingly hated that him turning face is difficult. So Sting cautiously accepts Hogan and he's like, if you screw me, I'm going to get you. Okay. <laughs> With that verbiage, I'll get you. <laughs> Which, like, he is the president, so, like, I believe him. We were noting while watching this, like, yeah, if everybody who's likely to get swerved by a tag team partner, Sting is at the top of the goddamn yeah. list. Like, how many times can the horseman swerve him? Like, like he's on every, the end of, like, 90% of horseman beatdowns. <laughs> I forget if Sid used to be a horseman or not, so he might be clear. Well, the horsemen are no more, so he can't get swerved anymore. So, yeah, Hogan has a partner for later, and um, I guess Kevin Nash's partner is a mystery. I yeah. completely missed this throughout the night until way later of, like, ah, it's going to be Hogan and a partner if he can find one versus Nash and a mystery partner. I don't think they said it when they were both missing a partner, because I think it was, like... Well, Nash came out with two guys, so I was like, ah. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't... I, I don't... I couldn't follow it entirely, but they didn't say mystery the entire episode. That didn't... That... The like, commentary decided that was the word about halfway through. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it might not even be somebody in WCW. Yeah, and, like They mystery. try to, like, hint. So I think the person they meant to be hinting at is Shawn Michaels? I mean, yeah, that would... Because, I mean, I guess he... That would fit there, you know. I, th- I think he got fired around this point, or, like... Oh, did he? I mean, not fired, but he, like, he might have been on the outs of... I mean, Shawn Michaels has a bad drinking and drug problem around this time. Oh, and, oh yeah, because he comes back and he finds and Jesus. And has... Yeah. Well, I mean, 
you got a couple of years for that. I know. I'm, I'm fast forward. No, I'm saying like here, he's out as commissioner and then he's been written out since then. I want to say so. I wonder if they're like, oh, maybe him. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's not commissioner any, anymore, but I don't know. If Shawn Michaels were to have come to WCW, do you think WCW would have lived longer? No, not that Shawn Michaels. Fair. So I think that's who they're hinting at. It's Spoilers, it's not going to be Shawn Michaels. Oh, no. The payoff of that is going to be about as satisfying as our next match. And our next guest commentator. Ugh. Who is Jason Hervey of the Wonder Years. Get comfy, because he stays for the entire goddamn episode. He really does. He doesn't contribute anything. Just my annoyance. Okay, who... I mean, I have to look up who he is in the Wonder Years, because I'll be honest, I'm not super familiar with the Wonder Years. He is Wayne Arnold. Okay, so he's he's Fred Savage's brother in the Wonder Years. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's the younger or older. Well, let's see. I don't know, but I know Fred Savage. 72... 76. Okay, so he's probably the, the older brother in The Wonder Years. Sorry, this podcast is not specialized in The Wonder Years. Yeah, I have not watched a single minute of Wonder Years. I just know who Fred Savage is. And I think there's a reboot of The Wonder Years on ABC right now. But he's on commentary for this next match, which is Prince Iakea versus Lash LaRue. But hold on. Before we get into this match, this fucker... I don't, I'm not going to remember his name. Jason. Jason Hervey. Jason, I called him Jason Herman. I'm going to call him Herman. Herman says that the reason that he's on commentary is because after last week, everybody who was anybody was talking about Arliss. I actually did think it was like, Arliss for excuse a minute me? because he's sitting in like in the background of the shot, like in a suit and sunglasses. Yeah. And I'm like, Sorry. like did they bring like Arliss Wolf? back? God. But like, who the fuck was talking about Arliss? Was really, was it really that big of a thing? Did anybody care? Really? Really? Come on now. Apparently, it did fairly well on HBO. Neither here nor there. Lash LaRue versus Prince Iakea is up next. I could not tell you who Lash LaRue is. We'll know Jason Hervey as he comes up because I think I have a couple notes on him, but not much. I hate him. Man, Bobby Heenan really disappeared in this episode. Yeah, he didn't really say anything. He needs Tony. But I yeah, I saw Prince IK versus Lash the Road. I'm like, oh my god, I don't care. Lash's facial hair makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I really don't Jason like Hervey it. is like, ah, you see, people think those are L's in, in the sidebirds. It's actually J's for <laughs> you me. You knew that was coming. It's for me. Shut up. So Randy no Savage comes out almost immediately and breaks up this entire match. Yeah, you thought this was going to be a match. This is the match that Nick texted me. Like, why is Lash LaRue and Prince Ikea a match? And I waited like three minutes and he's like, never mind. <laughs> Savage comes out with Gorgeous George in just all bright green. And Emily, I'm going to surprise ask. No! Who's that Pokemon? Who's that Pokemon? All right, gut instinct, it's Scyther. Uh, I I went with with Metapod. Ah, oh, good one. Because it is just a very shiny green here. There's no other kind of... It's neon green. Yeah, there's no real white here. Oh, which she's... Um, is important to note, by the way. It is all green. including all Including green. the boas. Oh, okay. So I was thinking that um that frog thing. The frog? There's like a green frog. There weirdly isn't to my memory. Am I just thinking of biology? Yes. <laughs> Are you thinking of the rain ca- Rainforest Cafe mascot? <laughs> yeah. Who's the Pokemon? It's the, the Rain- Rainforest Cafe. 
Just the entire cafe. He is Rick Steiner's theme song. <laughs> or she is Rick Steiner's theme song, please. Please. Oh my god. I'll take you know, I'll take sight there on the short notice. Okay, I didn't even you can vouch for me. I didn't even pick up my phone. I didn't look into the Pokedex. I think there's a little too much white going on there, but I, I'm I'm going Metapod. I think you might be. I just right saw that Metapod. and I, I thought Metapod and I went, Okay, well I have to ask this. Well, there you go. Especially if Metapod you oh, you know what it is? It is the scene in the Pokemon anime where both Metapods are using Harden, so they're a little oh, shiny. Oh, so they're shiny and they're like glowing a little bit? And yeah. Nothing, and nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> so Savage beats both men down and then calls out Hogan, Nash, and Rodman. This is so dumb. And then doubles down on running for president. And I'm like, why? We already did this storyline with Hogan a year ago. Which will be. It was not a year ago. Oh, it feels like a year ago. It, was... it might have been a year ago in calendar for us. Like, we talked about it last. Yeah, it was like seven months ago. So Medusa then interrupts with Mona. Mona. I'm really wanting to believe it's spelled M-O-N-A and not. It's definitely M-O. It's, no! it's definitely It's definitely spelled <laughs> the way Moana no. is spelled, Please. but pronounced differently. <laughs> so Medu- with Molly. What's wrong with Molly? So Medusa says that. George is behind them getting fired, and this is just overall a mess. And they kind of back George up the ramp until she bumps into Dennis Rodman, who just is there, and then just kidnaps Gorgeous George. Again. No, Gorgeous George. She just loves this kind of stuff. Now, (laughs) two things of note. One, she leaves her boas on the ramp. She does not get kidnapped Ah. with her boas. Two... Security then comes out and stops Randy Savage. Well, in their defense, Randy Savage is feral. A woman has been kidnapped. <laughs> and it's like, let me go find her. I, what do you think? Calm you're doing down, there? man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> give you an ocular pat down over here. All right. Hey. <laughs> so. That was dumb. They. They also, are, that's all we see of Dennis Rodman in this episode. That's it. No, that's not true. We will Do see, we see him. We'll again? see him very slightly later. We go to commercial, come back, and Savage is still looking backstage for Rodman, surrounded by security. Fair roll. Back to the ring, we get Mean Gene just talking. I don't know who he was supposed to interview. Then Goldberg comes out to no fanfare. Yeah, no music, no fanfare. He calls out Kurt Hennig and is like, ah. Don't think I didn't notice you called me out on Thunder when I was 2,000 miles away. It's like, dude, he okay. called you out for, for this tonight. Nitro. <laughs> we saw the clip. He went, hey, on Nitro, let's have a match. And I'm like, that's actually pretty respectful. Yeah. Like, Gives you a minute to like think about it and prepare for it or whatever. But he like, Yeah, it wasn't it. even like, oh, he's a coward. He's not here. So I'll have to do exactly. it then. It was like a, hey, Goldberg, why don't you fight me on Monday? Cool. Cool. See you then. That's all you had to say, Goldberg. But instead, he's like, fucking coward, you're next. Yeah, I have two things to say. I'm here and you're next. Goldberg does still feel like a star for what it's worth. He definitely does. So at this point, all things considered, like, yes, this has been a hokey, weird episode so far. Like, not great, but I'm enjoying it. This is a very, like, B episode. Like, it's, it's... Nothing special. It's background noise. I think that if I wasn't taking notes on this episode, it would have been a lot more fun to watch. 
So I don't know when to note this, um, but apparently Chris Jericho has now officially had his last WCW match. Yay! Finally, Jesus. I know, seriously. It's time for the countdown to Jericho. And the reason I think I note this is because it was in The Observer, uh, and I wanted to mention something with one of our next competitors, because we have Evan Courageous versus The Cat with Sonny Onu. Was there two O's? I couldn't see. There was two O's. Well, there was two N's the other week. Yeah, Sonny Onu is spelled differently again. So who is Onu? Yeah, Onu. Onu! So apparently, would you believe it, the cat was, shoot, not happy about the blackface last week. Good. I mean, <laughs> of appara- course he's not happy. And apparently him and Buff will get into a shoot fight backstage around this time. I mean, you know, good. Like, good. I hope somebody slapped the shit out of you him. You hope somebody called his mama? I hope someone called Judy, because I don't think Judy would have... Well, <laughs> well, Judy's like, I hate TV time. I'll be there. <laughs> So the cat comes out and gestures at Evan Courageous and is like, really, this fucking guy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Yeah. (laughs) So the cat offers him the chance to leave and then offers to shake Courageous' hand and like a big, stupid, fucking idiot. Evan Courageous is like, I'll shake your hand. And I'm like, this is why people don't like faces. You just look stupid. Yeah. So the cat then clotheslines him. And then they did a really terrible moonwalk. Yeah, it's a big side get. Commentary does mention the bald cap and the impression from Buff Bagwell. Ah, the impression. Does not mention the makeup portion. Well, no, they're not thinking about mentioning the makeup portion because to them the makeup portion wasn't bad and it was just part of the impression. They don't see it as blackface. That doesn't mean it's not. That doesn't make it okay. That's just not how they saw it because they didn't have somebody backstage who had a fucking brain. Yeah, and so in the match itself, I think this is the moonwalk you're talking about, where I'm like, I wish he had done something a little different. He does a, like, moonwalk elbow from, like, from running the yeah, ropes, yeah. but he stops to do the moonwalk, and I almost wish he had, like, run chest first into the ropes, and then, like, bounced off into the moonwalk. Doesn't like, that Sasha Banks smooth. kind of do that? She definitely does a moonwalk move. Sasha definitely does a moonwalk. I, maybe it's not bouncing up the ropes, but she does a moonwalk, and she does moonwalk better than the cat. The only person I think of that moonwalks in the current roster is Carmella. Well, here's the thing. Was the moonwalk immediately followed by, did you know I have sex with Corey Graves? Because I feel like that would give it away. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I put our feelings on the uh, Corey Graves and Carmella show. I feel like you just got them. So on the outside, Craig just gets worked over by, oh no, we got a big sidekick back inside. And this is basically a squash match. Courageous does get one little hope spot until Ono distracts the ref. Cat grabs a briefcase and goes to take out his shoes, but... Oh, they're bunny slippers! Instead, it's bunny slippers. (laughs) Buff Bagwell comes out holding the dance shoes and then just talks over Evan Courageous getting the roll-up pin. Yeah, we don't see the pin actually happen. No, I thought we saw it. Well, we don't see the like lead up into the pin. Yeah, but like the crowd is focused on Buff, and he's going like, "Ah, you're not the stuff." As like he's talking on the mic over the three count. Yeah, and I'm just like, shut up. After the match, the cat just beats down Courageous and the ref, and I'm like, "Oh, well, that wasn't needed." Yeah, very unnecessary. Thoughts on the match? This one was pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. I'll be honest. I absolutely loved the slippers. I thought. Oh, it was, really? 
I thought it was clever enough. I thought it was... Listen, we've been waiting for... I thought it was kind of cheap. We've been waiting for something else to happen with the slippers. You're right. You're right. So the fact that it was like... I didn't even think about the fact he's getting him out of the briefcase. It was like... He did over-animate a little bit with, like, oh, bunny slippers. Oh, bunny slippers. But yeah. I did like the... It was a smart way for Buff to get one over on, yeah, on the I'll cat. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Cause I was ready for, like, okay, just fucking get the shoes on. Like, oh, it's something different. The same as always, yeah. It was a very clever... It was a simple yet clever spot, and I have to give them credit for it. All right. I mean, I th- you're not wrong. Yeah, I feel like we do need to give WWE credit a where little, credit's due yeah, you're when, right. it, when it is due. You're right. There's a lot of times that we don't need to give them credit, and we probably do, but this is one of those where I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed this spot, and it was a simple, logical finish of, it's like one of those things, also one of those things of like, look, when he doesn't have the shoes, he loses. That's true. So the shoes truly are weapons of some kind. Now, him immediately getting one over, like, Craig just not bailing, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. now, now you look dumb, but... Oh, yeah, we did uh, skip Evan Gray just coming out in pants and doing the tear away into the the trunks again. Oh, I missed it. It I didn't looks even weird see it. every time. Ah. That's something that could look so sleek and cool. Moving on to our. I, God, it, it's probably match number four or five, but it feels like match number eight somehow. <laughs> this is a long episode. We get Mikey Whipwreck versus. Yeah, boy. Is, I feel like you like Mikey. You I keep do. like waffling. He's he's just he's not one of my boys. I just I want him to do more WCW than he's doing. Mm, I thought this was a good showing for him, but anyway, continue. Versus Steven Regal, I my did, boy. I well, he he might be too talented to be I a boy. I love him. Uh, I did write William and have to delete it. I'm solely writing Regal. Well, yeah, Steven Regal with Dave Taylor. Unrelated, this morning I did watch the clip in its entirety of Step forward with your left foot. <laughs> Am I not speaking bloody English? All right, people don't want to listen to me today. <laughs> I'm not asking you to drop on your head. I'm asking step forward with your left foot. <laughs> I love him. So it's Mikey Wilbrecht versus the best manager in AEW <laughs> right now. Honestly. As Regal is coming out, commentary talks about Finley getting super injured yeah. at a house show and needing like incredible amount of surgery. He'll be gone until December. Oh shit. Yeah. I and knew he, he got banged up from that um that match, but well, this is definitely the No, this is no? A, this is an unrelated house show match. Oh wow. I thought that this was no, from the um, this is junkyard match. Entirely unrelated. Yikes. Yeah, it was like a match in like Birmingham or something. Just like, nope, he's he's out. Yikes. And this is unrelated, I want to say, to the match that will like end Finley's career for several years. Oh my god, this poor man. Yeah, cause I want to say he gets hurt in like somewhere in 2000 and then won't wrestle an actual match until like 2004, 2005? Yikes. I mean, he's not part of the invasion at all. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, but I'm saying with, with, with the lads they have, like yeah. he would have been prime lad material. Yeah, that's true. Back to this match, I wrote a lot of unimpressive matchups tonight. Okay, so I thought that too. But before we even get into the like matchup of this, unfortunately, I am discovering something that is like becoming one of my favorite things in wrestling, and that is fan interference. Yeah, I think I I, I was looking down, I missed this. Love when fans get ballsy and try to jump into the ring and then get put in their fucking place. I think it's Chef Kiss Beautiful. So 
it, for those like Nick that did not pay attention to when this happened, Stephen Regal comes down with Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor's got the big Union Jack flag and he's waving it around. And as they get down to the the ring and commentary is like talking and they're like you know parading around the ring like this match is good for yet whatever. Dave Taylor is waving the flag on the outside of the ring and you can kind of see in the bottom third of the the shot that he kind of like jabs the uh, the flag at a fan or something kind of like just joking you know sword fight with the flag whatever. And then he turns around and goes to like the other side of the ring. They pull to a wide shot. And that same group of people that he's, like, jabbing the, the flag at. I wonder if he clipped him for real and the fan the guy got, got pissed. Yeah. That's kind of, I think, or he, like, knocked his beer out of his hand or something. So they pulled to the wide shot and there's this guy in a gray polo that just decides that, nope, I'm in. Fuck this guy. I'm going to get him. He jumps into the ring, gets, like, halfway through the ring. Steven Regal notices he's behind him. Turns around, wallops the guy. <laughs> what the hell did I not see? Jesus. And then the best part is, like, they do cut away. They, like, cut to somebody else so they don't show that. But Steven Regal, they sh- they cut back to him eventually. And he just, like, makes eye contact with the camera and just does, the, like, the disappointed <laughs> head shake. I'm like, this man. <laughs> so, by the way, I want to run you through the matches so far tonight. Whovian Psychosis versus Bobby Duncan and Kendall Wyndham. Okay. Vampiro versus Ray, which had a non-finish. Yeah. Vincent versus Stevie Ray, mm-hmm. Prince Iakea versus Lash LaRue, Evan Courageous versus The Cat, and now Steven Regal versus Mikey Whipper. Listen, are these banger matchups? No. No, this is obviously, you know, the, the, the highest potential of them. But at this point, I, I'm ashamed to say I just, I didn't have it in me. And, that, and that's probably why I was like, just gathering yeah. my notes and just like, Okay, well, another one of these. Yeah. These guys aren't in a story, so, you know, I can only care so much. I guess that's fair. You did I, miss two important things at the beginning of this match. Well, I guess three. So, I am pretty sure, I correct me if I'm wrong, I've been proven wrong many a time on this podcast, I don't think they ever rang the bell to start this match. You know, I don't know, but it wouldn't shock I me don't with, think with they how did. long they stall early on. Yeah. I feel like they're definitely... It wouldn't shock me if they're waiting for the bell. I was busy focusing on, why does Mikey Whipwreck wear knee pads over his boots? I don't know. Somebody on commentary called him Mikey Sheepdick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a long non-start early on, but I'm wondering if that it's them... That was the other thing that you missed, was Mikey Sheepdick. <laughs> I wonder if it's them waiting for the bell. On commentary, Jason Hervey tries to invoke, because they're in Memphis, Andy Kaufman. Which I understood and the reference because I just listened to How To Andy Kaufman from How To Wrestling. I understood the reference. Listen, I know Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman's a friend of mine. <laughs> you, sir, are no Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I was so proud when they said that. I was like, oh my god. Back to the match. Whipwreck picks up the pace and hits a head scissors on Regal. There's a weird clash styles here. They don't work the best together. I kind of disagree. I think that they like, they kind of complemented each other. I don't think that this was like rough or bumpy. I thought this was like a really fun matchup of the two different styles. Jimmy Hart and the first family then come out. And they I issue guess. the same challenge to Regal that they did for Finley. They're like, ah, this is now your storyline. Yeah, this this one man from the uh, the British Isles is injured. Step in. 
Again, at least Finley was actually from the UK. So it, it's fine. Right. Let's not get into Ireland versus Northern Ireland again. My head can't do that. So I'm like, okay, this is going to lead to the sneaky roll-up pin, which Whipwreck does, and Regulus kicks out. And I'm like, oh. Not so sneaky. That challenge literally tied nothing into the finish of this match. I'm like, okay, that seemed weird. But I did love um, Stephen Regal screaming, I'll kill the bloody lot of you! <laughs> Jimmy Hart in the first family. I loved that. Regal kicks out of the distracted roll-up and then two follow-up sneaky pins. And I'm like, nope. They then go into a rest hold. And I'm like, oh, okay. But none of the rest holds felt lazy. It, it, it didn't feel... They all felt meticulous. It didn't feel lazy. Like, it felt like weird timing of like... Because <sighs> usually distraction finished, that's the end of the match. And they went from that to a rest hold. I'm like, ah, okay. I don't know. I didn't I didn't mind it. Yeah, we get a, we get a ref distracted flag shot, butterfly suplex, and then a Regal stretch. And Regal gets the win. And... I really needed something from this Nitro, and this just wasn't it at the time. I think I I do think you should rewatch this with a better mindset. I I, I really I enjoyed this match. Yeah, I I believe you. I just I this Nitro was dragging at this point, and this did not pull me out of it. I think that Mikey Ripwreck had a really good showing in this match, and I think that this is kind of pushing him in the right direction of what you might want from him oh, in WCW. Not push him. No, but pushing him not not like a promotional push. But, like, what you want him to be in WCW, like, the kind of wrestling that you, Nick, seem to want, I think this is getting him in that direction. I want him to be in the cruiserweight, in the cruiserweight division. Oh, he's not. He's going to be in the hardcore well, division is, until he dies. There is no cruiserweight division. We went the entire match. Did not mention, like, Ray is the cruiserweight champion still. True. By the way, outside of him coming out with the belt, neither did commentary. So, let's move on. Mean Gene is in the ring, mentions we're in the shank of the evening, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, what does, does that mean? Got barbecue in the brain. Brings out David Flair and Tori Wilson, and I'm like, okay, Tori. Oh, this is a rough Tori thing. looking fine. <laughs> I didn't like her outfit, but titties. No. no By the way, we, uh, in our SmackDown watch, we did just get to her sleeping with Don Marie. <laughs> And we're, yeah, we've had a lot of Tori Wilson we're, on We're our actually, we're on the SmackDown after. We're like, they're like, we're hearing a lot of rumors. About what and that's it. And that's, that's it. it. And that's it. The end. We're hearing a lot of Fleetwood Mac albums about <laughs> I what's... I want to know the reason why I love it. Now, I have to ask you, does David Flair commit blasphemy here? So, in a, <laughs> in a vacuum, no. In a, in a vacuum, no. What about in the world we live in? Okay, so here's the thing. I don't mind him doing... Okay, so what Nick is alluding to is David Flair comes down with Mean Gene and gives us a... Mean Gene! Which in itself... He doesn't say by God. He doesn't. And that pisses me off more than anything. Okay, is that the part that you think is blasphemous? I think it would have been fully blasphemous regardless, but the fact that he gets it wrong is just (laughs) upsetting to me. What bothers me the most about this promo, David Flair is notoriously not a good talker. We know this. We've talked about this. I didn't think he was bad here, for what it's worth. Here's the thing. Go back and watch that that segment again. He is not having a conversation with Gene. No. He memorized some lines. <laughs> no, I'm with you here, because I have a note at the end of this. He but... just memorized some lines and recited his lines. Yeah, he a- he asked Tori how he looks, and she says that he's a 10 like oh, always. Oh, honey, you're a 10 like always. Liar! <laughs> Liar, Tori Wilson. Yeah, like, 
No wonder Don Moran had sex with your dad. <laughs> Stop. No, she didn't actually have sex I with know. Him. I just don't want to talk about that storyline. The reason we're trying to power through SmackDown is so I can be done with that storyline. So Tori wants him to win quick because they have better things to do. And Gene's like, care to elaborate on that? And she's like, nope. <laughs> so David actually is coming off a little more confident here. Until Gene goes a little bit further and add, like kind of like prompts David to say more. And David literally just shakes him off like, I'm done. Yeah. And, and, and He didn't have a line. And she's like, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> and it's like, there, oh. This wasn't a conversation. It, it came off. If you know what you're seeing, it comes off so bad. If, you don't, if you don't know, bad. you might be able to get away with it. But like Gene clearly prompts him for more. And David gives him a little head shake like, no, I, I've hit I'm all out. my points. I'm out. I didn't hate it at first with the mean Moo by Gene because I'm like, okay, he's no, just no, gonna. No, it's just mean Moo Gene. Sorry, mean, I, I didn't hate the mean Moo Gene because I was like, okay, he's just gonna imitate Rick, like it's his dad, whatever. He's just gonna kind of like embody him, whatever. I, and then it just felt like hidden points. And I did laugh at him acknowledging I'm gonna be the second best wrestler of all time. Yeah, wow, <laughs> shoot for the moon, man. Shoot for the U.S. space station. <laughs> It's not quite the moon. You're close. Oh, God. Um, let's move back to an uncomfortable situation. Why is it always uncomfortable? I'm realizing, like, this isn't a realization, but is this roid rage that we're getting from Randy Savage? I don't know. I don't think it's meant to be. It's very violent. If someone kidnapped you, I'd probably be in an angry, violent rage. But it's week by rage. week. By, okay. Anyway, this next segment is cutting backstage to Randy Savage still chasing down Dennis Rodman. But and he finds he George. He finds George. In a fucking trauma blanket, it looks like. Yeah, she like throws herself into Randy and she's like, he took me, whatever, whatever. Thankfully, Savage does not victim blame her here at all. I'm just tired of violent, roid ragey Randy Savage. Like, it's just the same notes every yeah. week. I'm tired of it. So Savage fi- does find Rodman, who throws green and white boas at savage which is that i it seemed like what they were going for is dennis robin going like oh i banged her except i mean one i didn't get that vibe i don't know the fact that he threw the color boas that they were implying she wore earlier however one she left them in the arena two she was not wearing a white boa earlier no she was not but i think they just forgot the that. The implication it, was there. It was meant to be that it was George's Boas. I don't really know what to take away from that, but that's the vibe I think they were going for. I don't know. I didn't I didn't get the, like, oh, I, nah. I, didn't, I didn't get the rapey vibes. When they had Kevin Nash kidnap George, they gave the, oh, see, she just slept with me. I didn't rape her. Just, you know, she just wants me because I'm a hunk. Yeah. I, just, I, don't, I, I don't like these storylines. I just want to keep I don't like, ignoring them. <sighs> Yeah, I, I was kind of looking forward to Dennis Rodman in WCW, and now that he's here, I'm just like, He's not doing anything, first of all. No, like, he's, he said about four words. Yeah, so I still wouldn't say that he's in WCW again. I do, he's I, not To be fair, I, I, I wouldn't shock me if he's done after Road Wild, for what it's worth. Really? This is it? I don't know, probably. Yikes. He's not reliable. I know, but like, Dennis Rodman, I feel like, has been talked up as being part of WCW enough now that I'm like, okay, let's see it. And... Most of the Dennis Rodman stuff in WWE is from before this time. Okay. I vote we move on. Yeah, we go backstage to a weirdly edited sit-down interview with Shane Douglas complaining about Ric Flair. 
That's pretty much it. And he says that he can trust Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Chris Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> he says it a couple times. He doesn't really... He, yeah, he says, like, I can trust these guys, and I can trust that I can stand next to them and not have a knife shoved in my back. Shoved? Stabbed? Uh, ask Arn Anderson. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, you said a knife, not scissors, so I don't know. <laughs> what are scissors except for two knives together? <laughs> Maybe the real scissors are the friends we made along the way. That's the second time you've made that joke on this podcast. We cannot have that. <laughs> yes, we can. Maybe the real who's that Pokemon are the friends we made along the way. So I guess they're building to Shane Douglas versus Ric Flair, which I don't know if that's happened before. But mm. as much as Shane Douglas is obsessed with the idea of that match, I don't know how much I care about seeing it. Shane Douglas is obsessed with a lot of things. And you know he's not obsessed with? Good wrestling. Oh, say his boots. <laughs> okay, that's later. Tying his shoes. What I'm obsessed with, though, is how the hell we've ha- we've had this conversation before. How the hell Little Caesars can evade inflation <laughs> in today's day and age? A Little Caesars pizza pizza meal should not cost the same in 2022 as it did in 1999. Unless there's still you know how much gas ingredients. costs. I mean, it should not still be 9.99. And this one, well, okay, maybe maybe this is the inflation. We don't get anything with our pizza pizza meals now. Then you get a WCW collectible card. Ah. So it was worth more. So to, that is inflation. To be fair, I would be quite alarmed if they were giving away WCW collector cards with meals nowadays. Yeah. But the quality of pizza, I mean, it could be from the 90s. <laughs> Moving on to a match that I felt had some promise. It is Goldberg versus Kurt Hennig. We start with Goldberg backstage headbutting a locker, and it doesn't dent. So... It just makes Goldberg look like oh, a little bitch. He okay. I did not see him headbutt the locker. Yeah, he like slams into it. That makes sense. It doesn't do anything. It just stays. So it's like, oh, that was kind of lame. But he comes out with a bloody head. Yeah, I missed it early on, but he definitely he does had, have it. He came out and he was already bleeding, and I was like, how the hell are you already bleeding? But if he shoved his head into a fucking locker, commentary then, okay, does there you mention go. that it was a locker as well. Okay. Hennig comes out with the rap is craps, and they come out to I Hate Rap. And, and it's they're all st- singing. It still fucking slaps. They're like, all singing like, it. Kurt Hennig agrees. He's like, yeah, he fucking, he um, loves that song. I don't blame him. It's a bop. It is going to be a sad day when WWE finally fully kills Goldberg because he does still feel like a big star. I know he it, does. I know it's probably a dubbed theme still, but the, the aura he brings to the matches still feels like a big deal. I don't think I realized he had a dubbed theme. It happened last week. It's the Universal Soldier theme oh, where it's like the right. Megadeth song. I don't know how long he has it. I'll try to figure that out. Match starts and Scott Hudson says that Goldberg will be a big part of Road Wild. I'm like, against who? Yeah. He doesn't have any kind of storyline. We'll talk about that at the end of this match. I, I mean, guess. There might be a match come the end of this, but... There's a lame-looking pump handle flip from Goldberg. And I'm like, this is like the coolest thing it does, buddy. So I, Oh, wait, I liked it. Oh, did you? Oh, I thought that was really cool. That's the one where he yeah. like grabbed him between his legs, right? Yeah, Flipped there was up. just no impact to the move after he did the flip. I'm like, no, okay. I thought it looked cool. Yeah, it needed a little something extra. So I'm like, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't do that again. Because I'm like, you need to slam him. Hennig hits Goldberg with a cowbell behind the referee's back. And I'm like, oh, shit, you can do a nice, you know, false... False finish there. Nope, he doesn't mm. try for a pin. No, he like, doesn't try for a pin. I'm like, that could have been a good spot. And you, you did nothing with it. I'm like, right. Mm. So giving it a power slam from Goldberg. He then fights off the other three members of the West Texas Rednecks and then spears all three. He clears house with the spears. I love the spears. Yes. 
Henny comes in with a chair and then decides better. And okay. the ref calls for the fucking bell. I was going to ask you, because we've talked about like the, what the constitutes... The rules of DQs. What, what constitutes a weaponized DQ? And you have told me that the weapon can enter the ring. However, if the weapon is not used against the opponent, it cannot be deemed a DQ. Okay, well, correct? I, well, I, correct. Also, hypothetically, the rules were still followed in terms of nobody hit yes. Goldberg. Okay, because I was, I was following this. I'm like, okay, yes. still not a DQ because we're, no one's hitting uh, Goldberg. Goldberg's just hitting them. And then he comes in with the chair. Chair is not used on Goldberg, but now it's a DQ. And yeah, I was like, what? I, the, no, uh, I, I was absolutely pissed. I was following, like, I was understanding all my, of the rules. And I was like, okay, my, we're following the rules. And now why? My exact words for my notes, in all caps, the ref calls for the bell. You got to be joking me. <laughs> I literally have in my notes, ask Nick about that. Because maybe I missed something. <laughs> no, this is an apt. All right. That's a stupid finish. Even stupider is... Kurt Hennig then entering the ring and then just getting cleared by Goldberg for no yeah. reason. Well, that just looks good. I just love that. No, I... Cause, I like them all getting speared to hell. Well, no. I mean, Hennig didn't get speared to hell. He just got kind of like a oh, little bit cleared. Now. Like, I'm kind of guessing there's going to be a Road Wild match with some version of this. Maybe. I mean, when you say he's a big part and then you have a match ended in a non-finish, I'm like, okay, well, I guess he's going to face him. Yeah, but spoiler, but, he also is part of a different storyline at the end of the episode. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I do think it would be stupid to have Goldberg face Kurt Hedick, especially a bunch of a bunch of bikers who probably don't like yeah. rap, who are going to be fucking belting that shit. Yeah. Like, picture, picture a 55-year-old's wedding and they play Don't Stop Believing. Like, it's going to be that levels of belting. So I was enjoying this match. I was enjoying the post-match until it just... The random DQ finish and then the awkward handic bit at the end kind of killed it for me. The random DQ finish was really confusing. But again, it was it was a pretty standard Goldberg match to me, I think. He hit all of his moves and then the match ended. Like, it's Goldberg match. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 you know, I like my continuity of rules and this yeah. just kind of killed it for me. But yeah, Goldberg does still look and feel like a star. Moving forward, we get a Hogan and Nash package, although mostly Hogan. Which goes for like, I, I think oh legitimately 10 minutes. I don't know if you're right about that, but goddamn, does it feel like it? It felt longer. I'm thinking realistically I, maybe eight minutes. I did laugh at them going, over the past four years, the NWO formed three years and like three <laughs> weeks ago. Like, it's not even like, oh, we can round it to four years. No. It's been, it was three years from the last pay-per-view. Like, it's not four years. Yeah. They do, it, they do actually mention the Hogan running for president thing, which they I was do, amazed. Yeah. So the way I saw this, it just, it seemed like a dumb place for it. It's like, if today is your first day watching WCW Nitro and you need to figure out what's going on with these three wrestlers, watch this. This will get you in a good spot. These three? Yeah, because it's, um, it's Hogan Nash, and it even like has some uh, Savage in it, too. Yeah, I guess they do mention him a couple times. I think it's very much more evidence of what a casualty Randy Savage is in this overarching story. I guess. like I, I did not get the vibe this promo was meant to put over Randy Savage. Oh, no. It was just, oh, hey, you know how Hulk Hogan keeps taking the title off of Randy Savage? It was just like... This is the story and how we got here. If they overcomplicate the fuck out of the story. Yes. Like, we, did, we didn't we did need all of this. Like Yeah, they brought back the finger poke. 
honestly, but they brought that back 60% of the way through this story. That was six months ago. Like, why is that the halfway point in this storyline? That should be like, hey, they kind of split the NWO, which, by the way, they did retcon at one point to being like, yeah, that was all fake, although this doesn't mention it. Mm. Well, like I said, I think this is like, I, I didn't hate the idea of the recap. I just thought that it was in a weird spot and it was too long. Oh, yeah, absolutely too long. Yeah. But at least we have all the storyline we could possibly need for that fucking match. Which You're real think... negative tonight. What do I have to look... What's the positive here? I don't know, but you're just... You're coming at everything with a negative Nancy headspace. Well, because a lot of it... I Enjoy ha- the show! It's not well, that Well, a lot of it I wanted to, and then it let me down. Including our next match. Because, Emily, for the first time... In the history of our podcast, we have a women's match. We have a WCW women's match. We've I had know. we've had a couple other women's matches. Most of them were from WrestleMania 37. Yeah, I was excited for this. The only other one we had was I want to say it was Tori versus Sable at WrestleMania 15. Yeah, which was. But no, we have Patty Stone Grinder versus Medusa. And for those who don't know, your random. WWE names. Me. Patty Stone Grinder was known as Leilani Kai in WWF, aka the woman who faced Alundra Blaze slash Medusa <laughs> at WrestleMania 10. So this is a match that has happened before, but just not in this, in, with these names. <laughs> yes. I don't know why she was Le- Leilani Kai. I don't know why she's Patty Stone Grinder. She's from Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Grinder has a rope that she brings to the ring and chokes Medusa early and like, often. Immediately. And she- I'm like, DQ? She. Puts this rope around Medusa and literally just throws her around the ring from her neck. I said Patty's a lot right off the bat, but Medusa kind of deserves it. I don't have too many notes on this. This was a fine match. Yeah. We get a butterfly suplex from Grinder, which is pretty nice. We get, a, I think, a trio of loose, like, sling blade kind of moves. It's like a weird, like, over-the-top neckbreaker mm-hmm. kind of moves from Medusa. A top rope cross body from Medusa to the floor. It's a weird mix of that, like an axe handle. Mm. And Medusa wins with a bridging German suplex. Which you know I love. Oh yeah, I know you love this. Beautiful moves. And the production fades out of this pretty quick after events. (laughs) I was also just impressed that WCW gave the women as much time as they did. Yeah. Like it it wasn't a long match, but it was definitely not a um, Prince Iakea um, what's-his-face match from earlier. Lash LaRue. Lash LaRue. Yeah, it was longer than that. <laughs> Which, for a women's match, I mean, I'll take it. Now, if WCW somehow brings in Bull Nakano. Oh, I know her. Yes. you. I've showed you her plenty. If they bring her in, I will get hype as fuck. Okay, cool. I know that name. That said, I don't have a lot of faith in them bringing in they more women. will not be bringing in more women. I don't think that Patty will last because she doesn't really have sex appeal. I mean, her Wikipedia article literally has, like, one line for, like, oh, yeah, she got brought in as whatever stone, Patty yeah. Stone Grinder. It's like, yeah, she gets one line on Wikipedia about this, so it wouldn't shock me if this if, is it for her. Yeah. I, I will admit I have not looked up her profile DB before this, but, I mean, the, the, there's going to be a women's pay-per-view match. Yeah, that's exciting. I don't think it'll be long or good or have a clean finish, but it's exciting. That's the other thing I was impressed by. That that match had a clean finish. I was going to say, for the women's match, I know it's not one of our shot episodes, but I think we need to do a shot for every minute that, ma- that match goes. Yeah, we could probably do that. 
Do you just want to skip this next match? Because I've got nothing for it. What you Are you telling me Scott Putsky versus Shane Douglas is not a five-star match? The problem with this match, it could be any two guys off of any roster. Yeah. There was nothing special about no, it. There that was is the, no personality. That is the absolute problem. That's it. So Douglas comes out to no music for some reason. Yeah. We're like, can the music department speed shit up? Like... Guys shouldn't have to wait six months to get some goddamn music. Yeah. And then it starts so quick. Entrance music should not be put on layaway. <laughs> no, there's no entrance music. There's no like introduction by commentary or anything. It's just like, and we're going. And Douglas does not look to be mm. in good shape. No. Like he he maybe, looks rough. Maybe it's the gear as well, but ooh, he looks rough here. The match starts and Putsky's on fucking offense. Last we saw Scott Putsky, he was getting murdered by Sid. Oh, I didn't realize we had seen him before. <laughs> yeah, we've seen him a couple times. I honestly thought this was like an audition match. <laughs> no, the, the, um, he's the, we referenced this before because he is the son of Ivan Putsky, who was like an old school like WWF champion. Oh, okay. Like one of the like early ones. Okay. But yeah, Putsky's on offense for a lot of this. We get a sloppy swinging netbreaker from Douglas, and then like a, a second one to like a kneeled Putsky. Douglas gets the advantage, hits a nice delayed vertical suplex, and then a very safe pile driver. Like he doesn't even like drop straight down. He like drops, no, he drops at an angle. He drops down at like forty five degrees yeah. for this pile driver. It's like oh Jesus! And then we get a rest hold in this match. Like this is supposed to be a squash. What are you doing? I didn't pay much attention to it, honestly. We get an electric chair drop from Scott Putsky. And I'm like, this is not meant to be your showcase. And you're looking better than Shane Douglas here. There's a lot of back and forth. We then get a fisherman suplex driver, which is called the Pittsburgh plunge. And Douglas wins. And Douglas does not look good coming out of this match. Could literally he could barely put away a fucking jobber. Yeah, it was a highly forgettable match. Also, like, look, I know, look, I, I know your whole thing is like, oh, the old guys are holding people back, but like, know your worth. Honestly. Yeah i I was excited for Shane Douglas, and this this re- ain't it, Chief. No, this made this made me very tepid on Shane Douglas going forward. Like this whole episode, I'm like, okay, cool, you're just still obsessed with Ric Flair and. Having yeah. shit matches. He, he early. We didn't even talk about his promo really earlier. He says Ric Flair is a cancer, a cancer, a cancer. Like, we get yeah. it. He's cancer. Like he literally said it like that. Like repeating the phrase a cancer. Yeah. Like, okay, we get it. Move on. What else you got? I think Bobby did make some sort of clever doctor joke about that. Oh yeah, I can't remember exactly what he said. Oh, speaking of doctor jokes, I couldn't tell you the context of it, but during the uh, the women's match that we just um, talked about. I guess it's Herman says like, oh, hold on. I wrote it down. <laughs> His name is not I'm calling Herman. him Herman. Um, or should we say Herman? I think it's Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> like Paul Rubens joined commentary. Oh, he asked if um, Bobby had seen something and he's like, Bobby, come on. Are you wearing contacts? And Bobby says, I don't take any medicine. <laughs> oh, yes. I recall this. <laughs> like, Yes. That's my boy. That's my Bobby. I miss you. So let's move on to what I thought was our semi-main event, but it's not. <laughs> It is the previously advertised Chris Benoit versus David Flair with Tori Wilson and Asia for the U.S. title. And I'm like, okay, this is, uh, I guess this is David Flair losing the title. Because we also get a new theme. It's not good, but we get a new theme for Chris Benoit. Oh, do we? I didn't even notice. 
Yeah, it was memorable. Oh, well. <laughs> it wasn't the Perry Saturn theme. Commentary is so convinced that David Flair is going to lose that I was like, all right, I'm ready for some bullshit. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, Rick's not here. Like, this is the perfect time to have him lose it yeah. and just move on. But then, like, well, clearly David's going to fucking lose. Like, something crazy and unexpected would have to happen for him not to lose. Right, which just leads like, him to think, like, okay, who's coming out? Like, And it's the most boring version of what you could imagine. Yeah. Everyone listening, take your guess of what the most boring finish of this match could be. And it's actually a little more boring than that. Yeah. It's pretty lame. Because it's not even like, ooh, we thought Ric Flair wasn't here and he actually is. Okay, I think you're giving it a little, I think you're being a little harsh on it. I, I probably am. I this this yeah, episode. See, this is what I'm me. saying. Like you were really in a bad headspace watching this today. Well, they didn't give me much to work with. No, but overall, I did like the amount of fuckery that we got in this match prior to the end. So let's run through it. If if Chris Benoit had won, I would have absolutely have loved this match, and it was just the lackluster ending that killed me. But the match starts and Benoit is just absolutely dominating David Flair. Like every chop oh. is just knocking David on his ass and like knocking his fucking block off. I was wondering if any of that was shoot. If if um I mean Chris Benoit was kinda of working through some anger. I mean you can only uh fake those sounds so much. Yeah. I really did like uh, David's robe though. It was very Transformers. Our guest, Jason Hervey, does note that Charles Robinson is the ref. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's the thing. Like, as soon as Charles Robinson came out, I'm like, oh, there's going to be some fuckery here. Well, they actually did tell an interesting story with him during yeah. this match that we'll go through. That's why I liked it. Yeah, because Ric Flair is not here. And then with Benoit immediately dominating, including a double snot rocket. Which I didn't hate this time because I felt like it well, was warranted. David Flair, like, goes to bail. Like, I'm out. Yeah. And, and Charles Robinson is like... No, you're you're a, you're a flare. Like flares don't do this bullshit. Yeah. Like you need to go fucking win. And I, and that's why I was convinced. I'm like, oh, like Charles Robinson can basically accidentally lead the lamb to slaughter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nope, because <laughs> he does it later too. Of like, no, you're a flare. You fucking stick in this shit. Let's keep going there. Yeah, which like is a nice story of like, but especially with Charles Robinson's character of like, no, he's such a fucking fanboy that you would believe like, no. Ric Flair can't lose. The Flair family can't lose anything. Like, they're perfect. It wasn't as fucky as it has been in the past. No. Like, Charles Robinson not looking at, you know, pins or whatever. Completely, like, looking the other way. He was was really, like, putting... He does do that two or three times. But he puts himself in the storyline. Yeah. Benoit chops the shit out of David Flair, and I love it. (laughs) We get a lion tamer to Flair, and David taps out, but... Charles Robinson just doesn't call for the bell. Yeah, he refuses to accept the tap. And that's when, like, I think that's when, like, Chris Benoit in storyline is, like, I think that's when his rage takes over. A little bit, because, yeah. <laughs> he gets he, very angry. He then hits a snap suplex, signals for the diving headbutt, hits it, does not go for the pin. Did you notice that when he did the diving headbutt, David didn't sell it at all? Did he not? No, he barely flinched. Oh, I mean, it is a weird thing to have to do a sell when you're already meant to be like out i know but like like that is a weird pretend like it hits you or something like yeah i i I thought he did but i guess not much at least like that that is a very weird art where i don't really know what i expect or like when you're meant to be down and out and then someone hits a move like that where it's like okay how much are you supposed to sell right 
versus how much are you just supposed to be out. So Benoit locks in the crossface, David taps out, and then DDP runs in with his tag title belt, hits Benoit, and then David gets the pen. Yeah, they like drag David over. It ben wasn't it, it, like ben, yeah. like it wasn't even a devastating shot with the belt. No, I think that's. I mean, among the the lackluster DQ, I will it say it is, it is definitely lackluster. It is it is unoriginal and it's not the best ending. However, I think that the like storyline of the match leading up to this gave it a little bit extra like boost of points for me. Yeah, I I think I'm. It was just wishing the thing like. Benoit literally took no offense, got hit with like a sloppy belt shot, and that was it. Like, just ha- have him and Bam Bam come in and hit their tag team finisher. Like, help put that over as opposed to a weird running tag belt shot. Hit him, get, the way he got hit did not bother me in the slightest. Yeah, it, it, it just, I think I think you nitpicking my love. It, it it didn't feel enough to like knock somebody out. Like, oh, he clearly lost the match on this. It's like, eh. you get hit the right way. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I was just hoping for a little bit more. It didn't do Benoit any favors. I felt like, yeah. yeah, I felt like if you, you know, need this massive move to put him down, like, oh shit, like, you know, Benoit is somebody. It, it here it just felt like Benoit's another guy again. I disagree. I mean, I don't th- think this had think any the- effect on his star power because he got hit in the back of the head and he actually like passed out supposedly. I don't think that has anything to do with know. how he's perceived. I, I mean, look at the look at he just feels like the same tier of guys that have been losing to David Flair via bullshit interference. Like it, he yeah, doesn't. Is it annoying? Yes. He doesn't feel a cut above, which I feel like he should. I don't know. I also don't think that this diminishes his image. Post match, the triad come out, and then uh, Malenko and Saturn come out, and they have a name now. Did you catch this? No. They're called the Revolution. No, oh, I don't like that. I think I saw that's what they're called. Because then Shane Douglas comes out at the end with one boot. And I'm like, why'd you take your boots off? You knew you were coming out. Yeah, Shane Douglas comes out after all of the brawling is finished. Like, he missed it. And then he comes out. He's like, yeah, I'm with my boys. Like, you were not part of this. I mean, at the end of the day, there's three triad, three, or I guess there's four evolution. So he's a little extra to begin with. So Yeah, you're unnecessary. Stay in the And back. it wasn't like Put David Flair on. was doing a bunch. But yeah, like. Shane, if you if you know you're doing a run in, keep your fucking boots on. Seriously. So we'll have to wait till another day for David Flair to lose his title. It's got to be soon. I'm guessing Road Wild. Not a bad guess. I don't know who will face, but I don't know. We keep waiting for somebody to come win that title off him. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's already involved in two half stories, but. Who knows? Maybe it'll be fucking Goldberg. Maybe. They do say he's going to be a big part of Road Wild, so. True. I don't know who else. Moving on to what I was convinced was going to be our main event, because they keep talking <laughs> about Kevin Nash's partner, and I'm like, well, he came out with uh, Rick Steiner earlier, so I guess this is going to be it. But Emily, we get a massive return here. Is this a massive return? I, in my in my heart, it is. We had Surge watch like a week ago. No, we didn't. With the guy wearing the Surge shirt behind. Oh well, that didn't really. We got actual Surge. We didn't get a hint. We didn't get a hint of Surge. Surge watch never really died. (laughs) We got Surge is back, (laughs) and it's back in black. Oh my god! So Rick Steiner comes out with a bottle of Surge. I thought it was mystery partner, and it's like, nope. He has his own singles match. Grabs a mic. He is the DFG. What is DFG? Dogface Gremlin. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know why they felt the need to shorten that. Like, it's a mysterious acronym. I don't like it. Well, if you don't like him, Emily, bite, bite him. him. They wrote, oh, it's not the main event. It is Rick Steiner versus Chase Tatum. Who? One of the No Limit Soldiers. By the way, officially, Master P, done. Okay, good. <laughs> the word's out. He's done. So this is when um, Herman on commentary really got to me. Because... This guy, Chase, comes out and he goes, who do you, not, I'm like, get off of, com- why are you still here? Oh, yeah, he's still here. Why is he still here? Go see, away. See, you keep calling him Herman, but I, I, and I just can't be bothered to remember his name enough. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not, I can't be bothered either. That's why I like Herman. Let me go back to my notes. Where the hell did he show up? <laughs> the fucking beginning. Like the second segment. He's still here. Yeah, there's the artist. His name is Jason Hartley. No, I don't think is yeah, it is. Hervey. It's Her- Jason Hervey. Who fucking cares? It's Herman. <laughs> you literally named four names there, like weren't his name. He's annoying and he does not deserve my respect. So Rick just dominates Chase Tatum, no real hope spots. Tatum hits a shoulder block and then goes back to being worked over. German suplex, Steiner Bulldog, Rick wins. What, God, what was the point I, of that? I, I miss spunky face Rick Steiner. Remember the beginning of the podcast where I'm like, shit, this guy has some good energy. Yeah. He was really good when he was with Scott, and we haven't seen Scott in a while. Well, no, I mean, he, he, he and Scott have barely been together. I know, but just like having the two of them have their dynamic off of each other. Yeah. Yeah, Scott's just still banged up. Yeah. Fucking everyone's banged up in WCB right now. Yeah. Spoilers, there is a mild injury in our main event. Oh, really? Yeah. How? Well, let's get to that main event. It is... It, it, there's no Michael Buffer, Mm-mm. but it is... Michael Hulk, Buffer can't even be bothered. It is Hulk Hogan and Sting versus Kevin Nash and a mystery partner. And I was predicting Sid all night. Yeah. And you're like, well, no, he was saying mystery partner. They're not going to... And they're hyping up the idea of, you know, somebody like Shawn Michaels, somebody not in the company. They were hyping up the idea of it being somebody unexpected. So I was thinking, okay, who's the one person that we haven't seen in a while that would feasibly, of course, without question, match up with Kevin Nash? And so in my head, I was like, oh, Scott Hall's coming back tonight. Which would have been a really cool reveal, like a really cool return. Yeah, no. as, as soon as Nash didn't walk out and do the point, I'm like, it's not yeah. Scott Hall. Surprise, it's Sid. Surprise, it's the guy who came out with him in the opening segment. It's not even a surprise. It's about as much of a surprise as it would have been with Rick Steiner. It's about as much of a surprise as the fact that Hogan and Sid start the match very slowly. Remember how much I loved last week's main event? They start faster than that. They do, but not fast enough. Hogan punches Sid in the corner, and then after putting his bandana in Sid's mouth, and I'm like, why? Yeah. That spot ends with Sid picking up Hogan and hitting an atomic drop, and this is where the injury happens. Hogan somehow takes that bump weird and, like, screws up his knee. Really? Yeah. How does he take the drop weird? I don't know. He just lands, like, his legs The atomic drop, doesn't it land it on on his back? No, it's meant to be like you land on your feet and like the person's knee kind of hits your tailbone. But I guess Hogan just lands with his feet uneven and kind of jams up his knee. Like he's not super hurt, but. Enough for him to be dramatic about it next week. Well, to be fair, he's been dramatic about moves that have been nowhere near hurting him. 
after the atomic drop, we get strong. We want hall chance. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I guess you weren't alone in the. I uh, guess yeah. In the one Scott Hall to come out. All four men brawl in the ring until the faces clear house, and then immediately after that, Nash and Sid work over Sting for a while until we get a hot tag to Hogan. Commentary does make a note of like these are four big guys with big egos. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I hate it because none of them want to actually like do anything exciting. They just want to stand there and be ogled. There is a credibility killing spot in this match. Yeah. It, st- it gets a little fired up, but it's Sting just scoop slamming Sid. Where it's like, oh, yeah. like remember when Hogan was like, oh, brother, too I don't big, know. If too I can-. heavy. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, 315. I'm like, Hogan, you're Love like him. 270. Yeah. Yeah, so the hot tag to Hogan. We get a stinger splash to Sid, and then the ref somehow gets pulled into that. So we get a ref bump. Rick Steiner comes out with a chair and hits Sting. We get a big boot to Nash. Rick trips up Hogan. And then Nash grabs the chair, hits Hogan with the chair, and then gets the pin. So mm. he, Nash has pinned the world champion going into their match. Goldberg comes out, tries to make the save, and then Rick hits him three times with the chair. And then the heels bail, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thoughts on the main event match? Bad. Hated uh, it. Yeah. Really hated it. Yeah, it was pretty by the numbers. It was so boring. I had no notes for it because it was... I've seen this match before. Yeah. I've seen this match before a dozen times over. They set up like, ooh, is Hogan going to swerve Sting? No. no. I, I, I didn't think he was going to, but like... It would have been interesting if he did. But they once again have set up this weird intrigue with Sting in a main event tag team match and have done nothing with it. Yeah. Remember when it's like, oh, he can pin Nash. Didn't. No. Nash could have had a true mystery partner and had somebody like actually different and kind of stir it up a little bit. No. Same guy he's been with. I feel like even Rick Steiner would have been more interesting. Yeah, he's like no, the same kind of boat. I, he, he, but he's less of a big deal than than Sid. I and, know, and, but then and both of them came out with there that. were too many egos. We needed somebody that's willing to go in there and actually do something. I feel like Rick Steiner would have done that. Like a, a lot of what I'm thinking, I'm like it's probably guys who aren't ready and the stories don't work. So I'm like, oh, you could have had an interesting story considering you already set Sting up to be the partner. Yeah, like. He's friends with Lex Luger. We haven't seen him in a while. I haven't like, seen him in a minute. It's like, yeah, have Luger want to get in the world title scene. And so he finds his way in via teaming with Nash. You just, you just picked the, the least interesting option. It's like, why even have the mystery? Just say, yeah. it's going to be me and Sid versus what was you point? and a partner. Do you think that's like that matchup is not big enough to keep like an audience interested? Are they just trying to like keep the draw of like oh they'll keep watching if they don't know who the partner is like I don't, I don't having know. Sid in the main events not big enough like I don't know that says more about I mean, people like, their confidence sh- in the product I mean people can still change the channel when they see it Sid I mean I, I, I mean, don't know yeah. so do you stand by your statement that this nitro is fine yes it was not as bad as you made it out to be it was entirely watchable it was entirely palatable. Yeah, there were some stinker matches. It was, I think it was hurt by the fact that we were sitting and taking notes and watching it meticulously. If we were watching it in the background, if we were watching it passively, I think we would have enjoyed this way more. Potentially. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, again, we, we walked through some of the matches and it's like, there is no match that on paper is like, ooh, I need to go out and find that. And, no, but and, no, even, 
regardless, like that being said, I think if Benoit had won the title and then I think I would have recommended that and that would have been my best bit. But I was so underwhelmed by the finish of that. That being okay, yes. All of that being said, like yeah, there was no like big title change. There was no like notable match like pair up, I guess. But no match was insulting. No, I'll agree with you on that. And we have had some episodes recently I, where the or, matches can th- be insulting. I think the closest we got was the match that wasn't a match. Prince Ikea. And and Lash LaRue. Yeah. The I was not even insulted by that. I'm just annoyed. Well, I was insulted by the fact that it got put on and then the fact that it got broken. I'm like, okay, well, it, it was better if the match started and I went, what the, why the fuck are we what doing this What was the point match? of even starting that match? Because it was literally not even 30 seconds in. And yeah. And Randy Savage was like, ah, no, fuck you. It's my turn. Yeah. I mean. And the fact that it was 30 seconds, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm willing to overlook. I, I, I recognize that as a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing offensive on this, but it was just. I would never tell anybody an, to go watch this night, episode. To me, it's a night show that never got out of first gear. I don't. I, I don't. Miss, I think you need to go back and rewatch the Mikey Whipwreck Stephen Regal match. I'll give it a shot, but although um, I I mean I'll what? start it off right now. Like my best bit is that match. I really enjoyed that match. Okay, my best bit was actually the and I I wrote it as it happened. My best bit was the clever shoe swap spot. Okay. I I I enjoyed it enough in the moment where I'm like oh, okay, it, it brought it to life to me, and I was like okay, that, that's a smart finish for this match. I don't know, and it was I really didn't... cartoony, but not in a good way. Like, you know how I love my cartoon villains. Oh, I thought it was cartoony in a good way. It was right on the cusp, but I was like... Okay. I, granted, Kat really towed that line by being that over the top yeah. with the slippers, but he managed to get one over by not doing blackface, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Emily, who is your MVP? I give it to Steven Regal for walloping that fan that came into the ring. <laughs> Actually, I'm surprised your best bit was not him while playing the fan. I love fan interference. I don't know why. I should not encourage it, but it's so much fun to watch fans get put in their place. I gave my MVP to Goldberg. Why? Maintaining his star power. Did well in his match. We we agreed. Him hitting the three spears, that was a lot of fun. That was cool, yeah. Yeah. He continues to maintain his aura, and the booking is starting to do a disservice to that. So the fact that he can do it, credit to him. Okay. He also made himself bleed on the locker before. Yeah, like a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's not uncommon for Goldberg, by the way. It's just funny. I'm not. I'm not pessimistic for Road, Road Wild. Is really? Because contra- you seem pretty pessimistic. Yeah, contrary to this, I mean, like, I'm not pessimistic for the card. I'm still very pessimistic in terms of the motorcycle engines. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm as optimistic as I can be with the main event being Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash. It's going to be a lot of standing and posturing. But I'm hoping there's going to be a strong undercard. Hopefully. I doubt it, but we'll see. Oh, no, Billy Kevin on this episode either. No. A lot of people had the week off. Well, we're running out of nitros before Road Wild. Next up will be the August 2nd, 1999 Monday Nitro. We're already in August. Wow. Running out of 1999. Listen, as soon as we get to October, it's like we're on Russo watch. Oh, God. <laughs> for better or worse. Probably worse. Probably for worse, yeah. But until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog, uh, preferably not Bash to the Beach 99, but I can't stop you. <laughs> on listen, Apple, the people love it. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. 
You can also find us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod, Instagram on the same handle, and then search the Butts in the Seeds podcast on Facebook. Emily, any final thoughts? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm here for the ride. I'm I my expectations for all of this just keep getting lower and lower, and I feel like you are still at the height expectation. So I'm just here having a good time, and you're fighting for your life. Look, we we have a while to go, and we're not giving up. <laughs> there ain't no stopping us now. I which am I going for the musical reference or the Shelton Benjamin reference? Who knows? I don't even know what that means. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>